Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Undeniably true that I admire Salute, the Women's Social Political Union. I'm just not so sure they're really that useful. If I'm to be truthful, I'm thinking of the original movement, things we said we would do, and some of these things seem incredibly foolish. I'm not especially prudent. You're definitely being stupid, a nuisance, and a hindrance, abusive, vicious, belligerent, lighting a fuse to the ignorant view that all women are primitive. Trust, opinion will diminish if you continue on this mission. Stupid approach, maddening. There must be a better plan than this. We can be angry and passionate without being stampede advocates. That Emmeline is missing this She's too busy in the streets Assembling her new constituents She's given up her job, her home, her family So close to insanity In a pitch battle with a matador That cannot cease An ambassador, a roving soldier It's not over until it's over Well how long can this go on for Miss Rock and Roll? I do wonder It will take its toll eventually Embrace its hold and clench its teeth And let the venom seep For your dismembered mentally
lost this fight, but still I need our war. Every bone in my body aches in it. Oh, so, so, this lion is hurt and wounded, but still ready to roar. So if you don't hear me now, then prepare for what's in store. I had to play like men. For them to notice me, instead of hearing our message, they reduced and they broken me. They thought I'd go away, but this fueled the more outspoken me. So if you don't see now, be fueled by the woken me. I don't feel humiliated because you can't eliminate me and yeah you need to change this from my room in Manchester to the world we must escape this Cause the battle is not over We don't have our vote But we take a step closer We're constantly provoked And still look over our shoulder But today, I'm not a victim Today, I am a soldier I'm not sorry for the harshness For the loud bangs and the gory For without these methods of action We would have no glory Yes, we threw bombs and we made the sky stormy But for the first time ever, women can write their own story We protested with speech, we protested with peace And were still beaten in the streets and hit hard by police Then we were thrown into prison and we were stripped of our clothes We were thrown into prison and stripped of our souls So we starved until forced to eat, head back Tube down your nose, strap to a seat, hoping it goes down the right hole. And we don't die from disease. It was diabolical, horrific. It was torture on repeat. Our time for it, sacrifice for it, won't give in to it. I've been sick, I've lost so many friends I've been beaten, I've been hit I've been driven round the bend I even lost my son And couldn't be there at the end But the power of my mind Has led my heart to mend I now know, I now know Without loss you cannot gain So focused and determined Is how we shall remain We uplift each other And we rise through the pain this is unacceptable, say it with me again We have sacrificed a lot, we are so many soldiers down Emily literally threw herself in front of the king's horse and died on the ground Hoping one day for humanity to be found We are women, give us our crowns
this is a musical we commissioned for the uh, 100th year anniversary uh, because we wanted to put the story into the hands of women of color who were in many ways excluded at the original advent of this law change. And I think you'll agree, it's really been worth it. Um, two of the composers. Uh, the other two are Oracy and Mark Hodge. Big round of applause for all the composers. And tell us quickly, there's an EP coming out. Yes. Yeah. Very soon. Very, very soon. We'll be able to buy it. Yes. Yeah. Um, buy so it. Buy it, please. Okay. Please support us. Yeah. And that, the money from the EP uh, will go to both the artists and, and taking the show forward. And we are looking for backers and uh, theatre producers to work with. We're talking to various and many. So if you're listening to this or you're here tonight and you're interested, please do get in touch. If you'd like to make a personal donation, uh, then you can go to the Guilty Feminist website and there's a place. How do you see it developing forward from here? We just want to work more on it, write more, workshop it, make it the best it can be. We love what we've got so far, but we just want to take it a bit further now. And how far, Roxanne, before it's in the West End? Oh, two weeks. Two weeks? <laughs> Brilliant. Big round of applause. Thank you. Thank you for Omarose so and Roxanne. Thank you, guys. who's uh, been on Keys all night uh, and also composed the Guilty Feminist theme tune. That's right. Um, all right. Uh, please get the EP when it comes out and you too will be going into job interviews with feminist hip-hop in your ears going, yeah, I worked hard for it. Sacrifice for it. It's going to be great. We need more feminist hip-hop. Um, trying to get to the Guilty Feminist for a very long time since it started. I am very honoured and privileged that she's with us tonight. Uh, she very much inspired me to do the podcast and I would go so far as to say without her work there would be no Guilty Feminist. Put your hands together and make enormous, wonderful, welcoming, woohooing noises for the excellent Bridget Christie! <laughs> excited to be here. If you don't know me, I'm Bridget Christie. I'm a white, heterosexual, able-bodied, rich woman with a herb garden, uh, a Farrow and Ball loyalty card, and a dishwasher with a time-remaining indicator on it that projects how much time is left onto my kitchen floor. And yet, even with all of that, I am struggling at the moment. Not, not with the washing up, obviously. I'll never do that ever again for as long as I live. <laughs> Not now that I know how long it was taking me. It's just that rolling news updates are making me very anxious and paranoid and stressed out, okay? Very paranoid and anxious and stressed. And all the things that used to relax me, they don't work anymore, okay? The gardening, the baking, the autoerotic asphyxiation. Do you know something? Every single time I'm about to drift off in a closet with a citrus fruit in my mouth... <laughs> A Guardian Politics Live update with Andrew Sparrow pings into my inbox and I have to start suffocating myself for sexual gratification all over again. I'm getting bloody sick of it. If only Andrew Sparrow would occasionally restrict oxygen to his brain for sexual gratification now and again, we could all get a bit of a bloody break. Don't worry about me, you look really worried. I don't do that, it's a lie. <laughs> I've been married for 13 years. I would never risk my life for sexual gratification. I don't even have sex for sexual gratification. <laughs> By the way, I didn't know my dishwasher had this stupid bloody time remaining indicator on it when I bought it. I shit myself the first time I saw it. I didn't know where the numbers were coming from or what was counting down. I live in central London, my friends. We are under attack. If I see some numbers counting down on my kitchen floor that I've never seen before, I'm going to assume the worst and at least make sure I'm wearing clean underpants. And I fight it every day. I was really angry with myself. I fight it because that's what they want. They want to get it in our minds and they want us to live in fear and paranoia. And I fight it every day. I think, no. 
we're going to get the tube today. You're not going to make me think about you today. You're not. And they got me, didn't they, in my own fucking kitchen. <laughs> and in those few confused seconds, it took me to work out what was going on. In fact, I didn't work it out at all. What happened was an image of a wine glass was projected onto my kitchen floor, which I took as a personal further judgment. <laughs> It's my Western liberal values. Uh, enjoy that bottle of Oxford Landing last night, did you, you wine-guzzling infidel? Well, good. Because it's going to be your last amigo. That's what they call us, amigos. And I looked out of my kitchen window, completely convinced myself I was going to see a jihadi standing in my herb garden, also watching the numbers counting down. And the only thing I couldn't work out was why he'd given himself so long to get out. <laughs> Two hours and 38 minutes. <laughs> plus 15 minutes for rinsing and drying. <laughs> I don't know, do I? Perhaps extremist Islamist martyrs have to be really shiny and dry in order to get into heaven and claim all their virgins. I don't know, do I? I'm a Catholic. We don't have weird rules or rituals like they have in Islam. <laughs> We are losing the war on truth. And Donald Trump and Putin and our government are winning. They lie to us, we find out, and then we punish them by voting for them. We're sending them the wrong signals. When my children lie to me, I don't hand them more power. I lock them in the cellar <laughs> and burn effigies of them shouting, the truth will set you free because I'm not going to. <laughs> Everyone's lying all the time. It's driving me absolutely insane. I don't know what's real or unreal anymore. Fake news and post-truth politics are making me... I, I just... I, I can't work anything out. I'm, I'm, I'm mistrusting everything. I'm suspicious of everything. I read something. I don't know whether I believe if it's true or not. I keep seeing the face of Kim Jong-un everywhere in the patterns of my bedroom curtains, which is not helping my sex life. <laughs> keep seeing his face on clouds and on mushrooms and on posters for Michael McIntyre. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. I saw a tiny, dead, dried-out baby frog in my downstairs toilet recently and my immediate thought was, why has Putin put that there? <laughs> why is Putin interfering in our elections, penetrating our airspace and putting tiny, dead, dried-out baby frogs in my downstairs toilet? And how did his spies manage to put it there without any of my cleaners noticing? <laughs> but I, I am stressed and I know I'm a white, heterosexual, able-bodied rich woman with a tape membership, a huge selection of trivets and self-closing kitchen cupboards and drawers. And yet, with all that, I'm struggling. Not with the kitchen cupboards and drawers, obviously. They're really easy to use. I'm not a bloody moron. You just give them a gentle push and they do all the heavy work for you, leaving you free to concentrate on more pressing matters. Do you know the amount of things I can get done now as my kitchen cupboards and drawers are closing themselves? I don't know how we got anything done before we had self-closing kitchen cupboards and drawers. I don't. How did we get anything done? It blows my mind to think that Margaret Thatcher had the time to both manually close all her own kitchen cupboards and drawers and all the mines. How did she do it? How did she do it? She stayed up all night and didn't speak to her children. She's dead now. I wonder if her coffin had a self-closing lid. <laughs> we are living through one of the most uncertain times in modern British political history and we've got nobody leading us through it and it scares the shit out of me. Theresa May has less authority than Harvey Weinstein giving a TED talk about how to combat sexual harassment in the workplace to an audience of victims of sexual harassment in the workplace on International Women's Day. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn, nicer years, now looks to me like he'd be better off heading up the ethical, breathable sock department in the Edinburgh Woollen Mill <laughs> than leading the opposition through a time of national crisis. Thank God David Davis, who couldn't negotiate his own cock out of a vagina... <laughs> has now fucked off to do the job that he was born to do, which is advertising flour. David Davis's face should be on the side of a box of flour going, enjoy baking, then get some flour, and not on my telly lying 
the flower-faced The Brexit negotiations continued to drag themselves along like a rectal prolapse on a tortoise. (laughs) For that is what we are now. A hemorrhoid hanging out of the back of the EU's anus. (laughs) What Michel Barnier has to decide is whether to gently push us back in using creams and a a bit of coaxing or whether to cut off our blood supply. Either way, not everyone's going to be happy. (laughs) Fucking Brexit. Is it just me or has Theresa May died at some point in the last two years and they're just not telling anybody because if Michelle Barnier knew that Theresa May had died, it would further weaken our Brexit negotiating hand. (laughs) The inside of Theresa May's mouth is black. Why is it black? I find it absolutely terrifying, okay? Why is it black? It's, it's black. I'm not, I'm not... Have a look at it tonight. There can only be two possible explanations. The stress of the job has done her in and she's rotting away from the inside like her own party or it's given her an addiction to licorice. Either way... <laughs> Either way, I find it absolutely terrifying. The two things I find personally terrifying, the idea of female Tory prime ministers and the idea of black holes. What a black hole actually is, is one of the scariest things. In the- Theresa May's mouth is currently my worst nightmare. <laughs> Theresa May's mouth is an area of space-time exhibiting such strong gravitational effects that nothing, not even light or particles or humanity, can escape from inside it. Perhaps that's where all the lost Windrush generation landing card slips went when she was home secretary they were all in a box in her office she yawned and they were all sucked up (laughs) oh that's not very edifying a woman criticising the colour of the inside of another woman's mouth I thought you were a feminist Bridget Chris oh how how, I thought she was a feminist Bridget Chris criticising the colour of another the inside of another woman's mouth where's what happened to the sisterhood Bridget Christie where's that gone it's locked up in the Arlswood detention centre that's where it is it's holding hands with Donald Trump that's where it is yeah yeah did that in the wrong order anyway I love men but if we were to look at all the problems happening in the world today we would find one common denominator men pull your fucking socks up take a why are you so angry all the time if you're lost ask for directions (laughs) chill out guys chill out If, if you're at a social gathering and another man gets a guitar out just enjoy it you don't have to What are you so angry about? He just did guitar lessons when he was little. Leave him alone. (laughs) He's not a threat to you. He doesn't want anything from you. He's just playing the guitar. (laughs) You're probably better than him at sport. Chill out. Look, (laughs) it's not your fault. It's all of us, right? Society, we're we're all responsible, okay? I'm the youngest of nine children. I was an auntie at ten. I've been surrounded by children of both genders my entire life, right? And we bring up girls and boys differently. We do. We say to little girls, look nice, be quiet, put that pigeon down. (laughs) We encourage little boys to express themselves in any goddamn way they like, no matter how offensive or disgusting. I was at a birthday party recently with my seven-year-old daughter. And just as the girls were about to sit down to their birthday tea, the birthday girl's little brother, who was about three years old, comes into the room with his shit on a plate... Singing, happy birthday to you, I've made you a poo. I know it's disgusting, but I hate you too. They'd had a big argument that morning. They hate each other. He said, I'm going to ruin your birthday party. She said, I'd like to see you try. And fair play to the little twat. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, it was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. He was singing all off key. He hadn't put the right amount of candles in it. He wasn't even dressed. He just had a vest on with his cock hanging out. And the mother did nothing. She laughed. Oh, 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 how funny. It is precisely because 
We tolerate little boys gatecrushing their sisters' birthday parties with their own shit on a plate. <laughs> Singing out of key with their cocks hanging out that Donald Trump is the president of the United States of America. I don't hate men. I, I, love, I love men. Look at you. I, I look at you. You're great and you've, you're brilliant and you've invented loads of things that have... Well, you've taken the credit for inventing. <laughs> Women invented them and you said you did it. Anyway, I, um, I do. I like, love all men. So quite annoyed looking men in the audience. It's not. I do. I, do, I, I love most men. I, I do. I love... I don't like waxed... Oily, look, guy, right, it's, no, it's just personal preference, isn't it? I, I, I like, I was watching Strictly Come Dancing and I, I couldn't remember when it all came in when men started waxing. What I'm trying to say to you guys is this, you don't have to wax all your hair off and oil your skin because it, it's, some people like that, but not all, I'm saying there's a lot of pressures on women to look a certain way. If you don't want to wax all your hair off and oil yourselves, guys, you don't have to do that. I personally don't like it. It gives me the fucking creep. I think I like men to be all, have all hair coming out of their collars and cuffs and to look like they wouldn't be able to run away from me. That's... <laughs> I like my men like my lemons, unwaxed, large and zesty, and tied up in a net bag with five others. <laughs> um, but I, I've got to go now, but you've been brilliant. Have a great night. Thanks. Good night. <laughs> Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's Deborah. This week on the podcast, we're discussing Brexit. So I wanted to let you know that Tom Solinsky, who produces this podcast, has written with his writing partner, Robert Kahn, a brilliant show called Brexit, which got five-star reviews in Edinburgh. It's coming to the King's Head Theatre in London from the 30th of October to the 17th of November. And you can book now at kingsheadtheatre.com. It features some brilliant actors including a Guilty Feminist guest, one of your favourites is Pippa Evans. Go and check it out. It's genuinely a really brilliant play with a wonderful twist. Also, the 3rd and 4th of November, this coming weekend, we have Global Pillage. Yes, that's right, Global Pillage is back. It's the diversity-based comedy panel show where two teams of comedians take on you, the audience, the hive mind, for quiz glory. And that's at King's Place, and you can get tickets at kingsplace.co.uk. And that's this weekend, the 3rd and 4th of November at 4pm in the afternoon. It's a matinee show, so it sits beautifully between your lunch plans and your party night out. Come one, come all. If you would like to see Say My Name and you live in Cardiff, I will be appearing at the screening of the film and doing a Q&A afterwards on November 17th at the International Film Festival of Wales. If you would like to know more about that, watch out for Twitter, at GuiltFemPod or at DebraFW, or my Instagram, DFDubs or Guilty Feminist, and we will get details to you as to how you can get tickets to that closer to the date. But put it in the diary, November 17th. It'll probably be in the afternoon, maybe the evening in Cardiff. And I'd love to see you there. And afterwards, I will do a meet and greet. Come and have a selfie and I can sign your Guilty Feminist book. And speaking of the Guilty Feminist book, uh, please go and pick a copy up at Waterstones. Uh, you can get it on Amazon.co.uk or any good bookshop. And if you could leave a review on Amazon.co.uk, or good reads that will really help other people find the book. And if you would like to review this very podcast, a recent episode of it, it would be really help us out. You can go to iTunes and rate, review and subscribe. Give us five stars while you're there. We've got a couple of Christmas shows coming up and there are only a few tickets left. So buy them now. They're at the Lyric Hammersmith, 3rd of December and 17th of December. Uh, we're doing Guilty Feminist podcast recordings with some Christmas-themed extra fun in the mix. So I'll see you at Brexit the Play at the King's Head. I'll see you at Global Pillage. I'll see you at the Christmas shows. And I hopefully I'll see you in Cardiff. 
And at any of those events, please do come up if you'd like me to sign your book or sign a book for anyone else for Christmas. If you're looking for Christmas presents, you could go to road-from-damascus.co.uk and see what Steve Alley's got in store in the Guilty Feminist Collection. And now, back to the podcast. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, uh, it's time for our next panel. Uh, my co-host for this evening is an engineer, speaker, activist, and also has an exciting new Instagram account, uh, This Much I Know, keeping us on the truth of the news. Put your hands together for the wonderful Yasmin abdel <laughs> Now, fancy seeing you here. Now, Yasmin, I don't know if you've noticed, but Brexit, what a shit show. <laughs> to explore what a shit show it is further, especially for women, please welcome to the stage our panel, journalist and columnist for The Guardian and her first books. And, uh, journalist and... This is for the edit. I don't want any criticism. You... What's your name in the front row, ma'am? Yeah. What was it? Ricky, you, well, you should have been more memorable, Ricky, because I didn't... <laughs> now, do you want to do this, Ricky? Wow. Do you want to read this? It's been written out in Sharpie, Ricky. If you don't want to read it, then stop criticising. I can see your eyes of judgement from here, Ricky. You know that bit between me and Ricky's going to end up on the blooper bit at the end. Listen out for yourself, Ricky. If you do listen, he doesn't. <laughs> Our first guest on the panel is a journalist and columnist for The Guardian, and her first book, Collapse, which is about the collapse of mainstream politics, is out next year. Please welcome Ellie Mayo-Hagan. Our next guest is a former economist at the FCO, looking at the economic impact of Brexit. Please welcome Adira Najuba. And finally, Secretary-General of the European Women's Lobby, it's Joanna Maycock. Could you just all say your names for the recording so that everyone recognises who's speaking? I'm Joanna Maycock. I'm the Secretary-General of the European Women's Lobby. Fancy. That is super fancy. Odira? Hi, I'm Odira, and I'm a former economist at the Foreign and Commonwealth Office. 
working on Brexit. Is that former because you walked out and slammed the door and said, goodbye now, turn around now, you're not welcome anymore? <laughs> Is that what happened, Adira? I won't comment on that. I uh, couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> Excellent. That will be Adira's answer to nearly everything. I couldn't possibly comment, and that always means yes. <laughs> and finally, Ellie? I'm Ellie Mayo-Hagan. I'm a journalist and commentator, and I'm writing a book on the collapse of mainstream politics. Right. <laughs> He said that so cheerfully. Like. <laughs> it's a great okay. subject. We've got to get into this fast. I feel like we're in the last scene of the Italian job, where, you know, where there's a van off a cliff and the gold is on that side and we're going to lose the van or kill ourselves. Or, but according to the Labour Party conference, at least the van will have renewable energy. <laughs> now... I'm going to come straight to you, Joanna Maycock. You're Secretary General of the European Women's Lobby. How much shit are we in? Lots. <laughs> Tell I me was, more. I mean, I've spoken a lot about women's rights in Europe. That's what I do. I've never done it after a hip-hop musical performance. Well, that's um, what we like at the Guilty Feminist. I know. We love a gear shift. <laughs> we, if we do one thing well, it's control tone. <laughs> oh, Ricky, I will fuck you up. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's, it's hard to think of anything good about Brexit, and especially when it comes to women's rights and protecting, advancing women's rights. Everything from the people, the absurd macho language that's being used around Brexit, which is language of combat, of competition, of winners, of losers, of shady deals is nothing about what, what Europe should be about and nothing about what I hear travelling around Europe as I do all the time. So what does Europe think of us at the moment? Um, don't tell us. Stop it. Don't tell us. I don't want to know. Don't tell us. Europe loves you. I'm here to tell you that. I travel all across Europe. I speak to women mainly. Sorry, Ricky. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I talk to activists. I talk to politicians, businesswomen. People are, frankly, bemused. And quite a bit heartbroken, actually, about Brexit. People feel really, really sad about Brexit. This idea that everybody's out to get Britain is not at all what I hear from people at all. Is it a lot like when Legato Chocolat sang Hopelessly Devoted to You? Is that what's happening? When you turn up places, do they just go... Hopelessly devoted... <laughs> I can honestly say that hasn't happened to me, no. <laughs> Um, disappointing. But I, I, do think, I do think we need to, as women particularly, we need to kind of reclaim the language and the narrative around Europe and around Britain's role in Europe. And I think we need to talk about the protections. I think we need to talk about rights. I think we need to talk about solidarity, internationalism. These are things which are at the heart and spirit of feminism and always have been. Because what I didn't realise was that a lot of the domestic rights that women have were because the EU sort of required the UK to do that, right? Absolutely. And we certainly at the European Women's Lobby, we think that the EU has been important in raising standards for women's rights. Things like full rights for part-time workers, paid maternity leave, but also protection on foods, environmental protection, clean beaches, things which matter and, and things which affect women particularly as well. That's not to say Europe's done enough, right? And we also know that throughout Europe, we're seeing a toxic brand of male white populism, which is also really, as well as being darkly racist and nationalist, it also comes with an absolutely anti-feminist, anti-women's rights agenda. But what we see as well at the same time is that women are absolutely the visible and most effective face of the resistance to those trends. And everywhere, from um, three million women on strike in Spain to women rising up across Poland to, put, to stop even further restrictions on abortion rights, to women really uh, on the internet, through podcasts and so on. Women are the ones which are really pushing back and uniting across borders and across classes, across, across races, across ages to say no. So do you think we could stop Brexit if we teamed up with continental European women? Yes. <laughs> She's thrown that all and down. Adira, dun, dun, I want to dun. come to you because you were actually working on Brexit and you just one day walked out the door and went, I can't do this. Bye, Felicia. Yeah. Bye. Did you say bye, Felicia, as you left? 
Yeah, worse to that effect. Worse to that effect. <laughs> yeah, what, worse to the government. What was it like yeah. working on the inside? Is there any optimism, or do you think they all think, oh, God, what have we done? Not to be boring, but I can't comment on what the, like, internal dialogue has been. But... Just blink I can, twice. I can... <laughs> it's a podcast. Can, they won't know at home. I can say that, as an economist, I look at a lot of, like, reports... And so I can talk about this because in the public domain, but like a lot of the reports do say that the cost of leaving the EU is going to be much greater than the benefits. So, I mean, I think that says it all, really. And why does that affect women particularly in the UK? Largely, a lot of UK equality laws have come from the EU, EU laws. And I think a lot of people are going to say, well, the UK has its own like, Equality Act. And it's true, a lot of UK legislation on equality does predate the EU but it's the EU that has sort of dictated that there has to be protection across all types of characteristics and discrimination so I think there is a fear that there's going to be a rollback so if Um, we do Brexit we're going to have to fight for those laws back yeah we're going to have to look at them and fight for those or better laws Um, and we are going to have to do that ourselves yeah through craftivism and basically (laughs) turning up with scatter cushions we've embroidered saying these are the laws we would like back um, which we leave around liberally around the house I can't of crochet though like <laughs> what where what role learn Yasmin learn this is the time this is not the this, time do you this think is the, the time to learn to crochet said, oh I can't crochet no uh, that's they learn, that, this vote. is true this is true we uh, cannot let my lack of crocheting stop the resistance no <laughs> Wakanda wasn't built in a day now oh, Wakanda um, <laughs> also is it true that a lot of the jobs that will be lost because of the cost of the economy are the jobs that women do? Potentially. And this is also something that's actually been studied and there's been like reports um, on that basically if Brexit does lead to an economic downturn, the government might have to cut back some of its spending, particularly on sort of public services, and women are disproportionately you know, uh, employed within public services, public services and also use the NHS quite disproportionately as well. Ellie, your book is about the collapse of mainstream politics, so I'm scared to come to you. <laughs> what is it that you're going to tell us? <laughs> wow. What, you, it sounds like you're predicting something terrible. I'm going to suggest that you buy my book in five years when I <laughs> eventually complete it. Um, sure. In the meantime, though, could you give us the headlines? I, <laughs> I think that, you know, you talk, we talk about we're all in the shit now because of Brexit... I actually think that Brexit is a symptom of the fact that we were all in the ship before. I think that, you know, uh, we we now often reminisce about a pre-Brexit world as though everything was peachy. And it wasn't, and that's why we have Brexit. I think that, I I know that's a very simplistic way of putting it, but I think there is a lot of truth in that. You know, we talk about women's rights can be worse after Brexit. They probably are. But women that I was working with as a community organiser many years ago, before I became a journalist, there are pregnant women in this country sleeping on church floors because they've left their abusive partners and there's nowhere to go for them. That is in the shit. Mm. Like, Brexit did not create that. That was happening before Brexit was even talked about in this country. And I went to the offices of Bloomberg last week for a meeting, and let me tell you, no one in that office is going oh, maybe after Brexit, I'm going to be living in a box. Like, there isn't actually any reason why women have to suffer because of Brexit. Because this isn't really about Brexit, this is about power. This is about the fact that women are second-class citizens now, and we always have been. And the way that we respond to that is that we do what we always have done, what people who are denied power always do, which is they organise and they take power. So if I can leave the women here with any message, it would be... That's what you need to do. And the men here, it would be, that's what you need to do. You need to support the women in this room in doing that, especially Ricky, because I've got my eyes on him as well. (laughs) So, Joanna, I just want to come back to you to sum up the situation. What is it that we should be looking out for? If we do Brexit, what should we be on guard as women for? What are we looking for? What are we going to lose? If it happens. I think one thing to be clear about, if there is a massive economic downturn, it will impact on women. Uh, We know that austerity heavily, heavily impacted on women and particularly the poorest women and the most marginalised women, women whose migration status is unclear, for example, in particular. And this 
uh, the sort of economic downturn you're looking at, it's like austerity on steroids, practically. So I think change your government, you know, that's one thing, because if you have a government that doesn't actually believe in people's rights and protections, but thinks those are red tape to get rid of, you're never going to advance women's rights. So organize, get angry, absolutely, get organized, get active, whether that's for you knitting hats or whether that is, as I think is more important, you know, lobbying your members of parliament, taking to the streets, getting into politics yourselves, writing about it. Take nothing for granted. So whatever the outcome of the discussions which are ongoing over the next few years, I reckon, it will not do you any harm to get political, to get organized and to get active and make friends across the continent, make friends with other women's rights activists throughout the world, because I think the sisterhood and the solidarity is going to be needed more than ever. And we Can will be there for you. Can you put us in touch with European feminists who might help us reverse Brexit, or at least be better connected to Europe if we do Brexit, keep some of those connections? Absolutely. We have 2,000 women's organisations operating throughout the European Union and a bit beyond as well. And so absolutely remaining connected with women who are working on the front lines of the refugee intake in Greece, working with women who are leading shelters in Italy, women who are working in politics across Europe. I think, you know, remain connected. It's okay. going to be so important, not just for the rights that are there now, but for the future rights that we need to continue to win because women throughout Europe, make no mistake, are still second-class citizens, and that's still true even in Sweden. Well, we will get some links from you. We will put them in the show notes of this episode, and we will get busy. Thank you so much, Adira, Ellie, and Joanna. stand-up comedian for this evening is one of your very favourites, so I've saved her for last. Put your hands together for the magnificent Jessica foster You're so polite, you're waiting for the piano to finish. You all right? Good, it's nice to be here. One of my favourite things about coming here tonight to do some stand-up for you about truth is that I was meant to be at another gig. Um, And to get out of that gig and come here and do some stand-up for you about truth, I lied. Because it would have been too brutal to tell the truth. I'm afraid you're an inferior gig. Um, And I'm all about the brutal honesty. I've got a two-year-old at the moment. I've made another white middle-class man. I'm sorry. Um, And his honesty is absolutely brutal. My partner had showered him the other day. They'd had a shower. And on the way out of the shower, he said, Daddy, Mummy's got boobies... And I've got a willy, and you've got a belly. (laughs) That is harsh. It's harsh. He's so harsh. And my honesty about him gets me in trouble. I took him to a playgroup not long ago, and he was kicking off on the way in. Naturally. It was one of them playgroups where you have to sort of park the buggies before you release them into it and um, as I parked his buggy I happened to park it next to a buggy that had another toddler in it that was also kicking off and that one's mum gave me a lovely look a kind of like that and I thought oh probably about to make a friend She went, oh, she's teething. It's always teething, isn't it? And I went, mine's just got a horrible personality. <laughs> she didn't laugh. Um, before I had a kid, when I was pregnant, in fact, I would say to people, I don't care if I have a boy or a girl. I don't care if I have a boy or a girl. I just... I just want to have a strong daughter or a gentle son. (laughs) Very smug. 
And in exchange, karmically, for that smugness, I've got a really violent boy. (laughs) (laughs) But it gives, I think, especially my mother-in-law, great pleasure to be able to say to people, he's got his daddy's eyes and his mother's rage. And I didn't, of all the things of mine, that's not one that I wanted him to inherit. It's not the one I'm that chuffed with. (laughs) Especially as as a boy, it's going to be the only emotion he's allowed anyway, isn't it? To show anyway. We seem to still be saying to boys, oh, you know, you can have all the emotions, but never show them to anyone. Like they're a third nipple. and not a human reaction. And it's 2018, and I want him to know that if he wants, he is allowed more than the one emotion. (laughs) Thank you, one person. You did. (laughs) I said that in Wales, and they booed. (laughs) We've got a long way to go. What this is manifesting in is that I'm trying to make him play in ways that show, hopefully, that caring and creativity is important as all of the other shit. But it constantly up against it. I try and dress him quite colourfully. He's like a tiny Timmy mallet. (laughs) It's not harming anyone, is it? But you can't be honest when you're questioned about it. I struggle. My neighbour stopped me just the other day and went, I don't understand why people aren't bringing up boys to be boys anymore. Why aren't people bringing up boys to be boys, proper boys anymore? And what you can't say is, oh, I think it's because we're just tired of the rapes. What else is true? What else is true? Um, I had been saying I was a vegan. (laughs) Um, But actually, I'm just a bit vegan. Which, it turns out, is really offensive to vegans. (laughs) But I can't be a complete vegan because have you tasted tofu? No, but you've all eaten it. been with my partner for a very long time. I don't know exactly how long. I stopped counting after about three years because it already felt so long. Um, I think the truth about relationships is that if if you don't know if your relationship is long-term or not, don't do it by counting. That's old school. If you want to know if your relationship is long-term or not, it is if you talk about food with them more than once a day. (laughs) If the sound of their eating and or sleeping repulses you... Or the clincher for me, I think you know it's a real serious one. It's a long one. If they'd be the first person you'd tell, quite gleefully, if you'd shat yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for such a lovely night. Take care, good night. We've come to the end of our show. I know, I know. It's not as if you haven't had value for money, though. You've been here for six hours. <laughs> I realise what we do. We were just, I was just talking to Michael Harris, who runs Guardian Live events. Your audience will go anywhere with you, won't they? And I said, yeah, it's feminist variety. It's like old-school variety vaudeville. I think next time I'm going to get a feminist magician <laughs> who cuts a man into three and doesn't put him back together. <laughs> To bring us home, the wonderful Gato Chocolat! Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, like, oh my god. Oh, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Okay, so everyone's standing already. Um, I'm gonna bring the entire cast on. Everyone else, everyone else, everyone else, everyone else. Um, and as is guilty feminist tradition, we are going to end the show in choral style. Um, I'm just going to plead and ask um, uh, those who aren't that good at singing to not fuck it up for everyone else. <laughs> Thank you. I love you. <laughs> Let's do it. 
listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Yasmin Abdel-Majid, and my very special guests, Bridget Christie, Jessica Foster-Q, Joanna Maycock, Odira Majumba, Ellie Mayo-Hagen, Suffragedon, and Legato Chocolat. Music was by Mark Hodge. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The producer was Tom Selinski for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Michael, Sophie, and everyone at Guardian Live and the Barbican Centre, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.